welcome to another episode of Soul Care with me, Angie Fadel. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I have been out of touch for the last couple of weeks because I was on an 88-mile kayak adventure on the Missouri Breaks in Montana. It was 88 miles of kayaking and rafting out in the middle of nowhere, just us my sister, my brother-in-law, Todd and myself, and the elements, and more eagles than people. And it was amazing. podcast was recorded originally on the traditional hunting grounds of the Blackfeet Indian Nations, not to mention many other tribes who made their home in Montana shared those hunting grounds. I was lucky enough to spend some time there, and I am very grateful to the keepers of that land. So thank you, and thank you for listening. Before I get into this podcast, or before you get into listening to this podcast, just a heads up, I recorded this in my car while I was driving. It was hands-free, so don't worry. I wasn't endangering anybody or myself. But that's the time I had, and that's the space I had, so I made the best of the time I had. That said, you can hear me really well, but there is some background noise, so I just don't be alarmed. It's just a little bit different than normal, but it is the same podcast. I also want to say thank you for listening. I I really appreciate it. It means a lot to me. I love the feedback I'm getting. Please give me more feedback. Please... Tell me what you want me to tackle or talk about, what you're interested in. I also ask, as you get into this today's podcast, I also ask for stories. I'd love to do a whole series of stories that are similar to what I'm going to get into today. So without talking more than I already have, here's the podcast. Enjoy. to unpack something with you all. Something that I have been thinking about today, actually. Um, We decided to buy a new-to-us car. And we have never spent more than, I think, $2,000 on a vehicle. And probably somewhere in my mind, Hopefully nobody takes offense to this. Um, You know, I felt pretty good about that. It felt like, well, one, we didn't really have a choice because we didn't have any money. And it felt like the responsible thing to do. But recently, we had a pretty significant breakdown. And um, we, we had just gone camping at the beach. And we were headed back. And we knew that our car was having an overheating issue. But I have had many cars with overheating issues. And so I thought, well, I'll just, you know, limp it along. And if we limp it along throughout the summer, we can be looking for a new car. So we knew we were going to be buying a new car in the, in the very near future. And then 
all hell broke loose at the beach. We had had an amazing four-day camping trip. My friend Molly joined us. She even said on her way out from the campsite, hey, are you sure you don't want me to follow you back? Just to make sure everything's okay. And we were like, no, we'll be cool. We're gonna just kind of toodle our way back into Portland the long way, stop and kayak. And um, it'll be great. Well, it wasn't great. Probably about a couple, it was probably a couple hours later, we had stopped. We had um, kayaked. It was amazing. We got back in the car, made it about 30 minutes, and our car just went from <laughs> not registering any kind of heating changes to completely smoking. So we pulled over. There's a whole story behind it. We have AAA, which in the United States, I'm sure in Europe there's something similar, but it's a rescue resource that will, that you pay for, that will come and tow you if your car breaks down. And, you know, we had done all the responsible things. And then when we called, there were all these weird stipulations where only one of us could get a ride back to Portland. Well, we're two and a half hours away and in a heat wave. That was when the heat was over 100. So one of us has to stay with a broken down car while one of us gets towed into Portland. How's that gonna work? And how do we choose who stays and who goes? Because either way, you know, it's not the greatest situation for either of us. So we got back in our car, limped it into the next town, which was only like five minutes away, pulled into a brew pub and asked if we could sit there. If we ordered, we did, checked in with told AAA we had moved our car, but everything was still the same. We still needed to have a tow truck come meet us. We're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. And we did find a friend of Todd's very graciously agreed to come and pick us both up. And then our car would be, just be towed to a mechanic. Well, as you're, you might be guessing, the story didn't end up quite, to turn out quite like we thought it would. Um, Todd's friend is on his way and the tow truck is nowhere to be found. What we thought would happen is the tow truck would get to us. We'd navigate, you know, explaining to them where we needed the car to go. And then we would just be waiting at this brew pub for Todd's friend to pick us up. And they were really nice. And we just kept, you know, communicating, hey, we're still waiting for a friend. We bought food, yada, yada. Well, Todd's friend is getting closer and closer. So Todd calls AAA again and they say, oh, something happened in bureaucracy and there's no tow truck on its way. Well, you guys, it is a Friday now at seven o'clock. There is no tow truck at a beach town that's gonna come get us. And she's trying to talk us into talking to the people around us and seeing if somebody will keep the keys to our car. Okay, I didn't mention, we have kayaks strapped to the top 
and all of our camping equipment in our car. We don't want to just leave our stuff. It's, it's fine, if I guess, if they want to steal a broken down car. They're not going to get very far. But we don't want all of our camping equipment and our kayaks to also be taken. And we're thinking, what organization tells somebody to just leave their cars with strangers? So Todd's, Todd's communicating to the woman, hey, we don't know anybody in this town. We're not going to leave our car keys with total strangers. That, that's not something we're going to do. And she was like, well, a lot of people just, you know, put their keys in their gas tank, you know, the little where the door opens, they hide their cars in there and their keys in there. And I'm thinking, if you're telling us this, everybody knows about this trick. Anyway, that's not the point either. They're not going to steal our car. They're going to steal our kayaks on top of our car. Anyway. And she's saying, I'm, I'm trying to find somebody. Nobody wants to drive all the way to Portland. It's two and a half hours. And so we're thinking, what are we paying for? You're the one that screwed up. Anyway, we didn't say that. We just kind of were like, okay, we're just going to breathe. I did the butterfly taps in the bathroom, which if you want to go back to a previous episode, you'll know what the butterfly taps are. But, I, you know, kind of releasing stress. We're determined not to take our anger or our frustration or our fear out on each other. And she calls us back. She found a driver. <laughs> he is an hour away. He's not going to get to us in time. It takes a long time for him to figure out that he's not going to get to us before Todd's friend does. He might even get there like an hour after Todd's friend. So we go and talk to our waitress and just basically say, hey, is there any way we can park our car in your staff parking lot? And it just so happens that a tow truck could pretty easily get back there. We just got lucky that our waitress was really nice. She wasn't bothered. We didn't need her to wait on us, you know. And so we told the, we moved it back there. We told the tow truck driver that the keys were going to be in the gas tank. It was kind of in a hidden parking lot. Todd's friend gets there. We drive home. We get home at midnight. And we haven't heard anything from the driver of the car, the tow truck. And we have said to him that we've given him the directions to our to where a mechanic is. It happens to be in a house, so it's a little bit tricky to find it. Anyway, we said we would meet him there. He doesn't get our message. And <laughs> and then there's a reason I'm telling you this whole story. He doesn't get the message. He, at 2, 2 a.m., which we've just stayed awake, he calls us, says... For some reason, my GPS isn't working. I can't find you. I can't find the mechanic. Could you tell me how to get there? Well, also, he's not from Portland. He's from a small town, coastal town. 
Also, there's another thing going on. We've asked our neighbors who have let us borrow their little truck before if we could borrow their truck because we have no way to get our kayak kayaks off our car and we have no way to get them home. At least that's what we think. So they're camping. They tell us, no problem. We always leave the keys in the truck. Just go get it. So Todd's on the phone with the tow truck truck driver we drive down in Brennan's Volvo to get the truck and the truck is locked so we're like okay well we just have to figure it out once we get there so as we're driving across town our mechanic lives if there's no tra traffic at least 15 minutes away Todd is talking to the tow truck driver the entire time and one of the things he says is, I wonder, this is just an aside for all of you that have participated in any of the Black Lives Matter protests. He says, I've heard a lot about these protests that are happening in Portland. Obviously, I'm making the voice up. Because I'm imagining this is what he sounds like. And I'm wondering if because the protests are so bad, that some of the protesters have knocked out the thing that enables my GPS on my phone. And so Todd is basically saying, sir, that hasn't happened. The protests have been peaceful and it's anyway, you know, it's the cops that have been doing the damage, but also anybody that's participated in a protest will probably think that's pretty funny. And so Todd, talks to him all the way to our mechanics we get to our mechanics he's still not there it's in a neighborhood and a tow truck's pretty loud and then there's a whole comedy of errors when he gets there he can't figure out how to this is this should tell us something he can't figure out how to get the <laughs> get our car off the tow truck it's got one of those slanted you know it lifts up and kind of slants and then it slowly lowers so he's like jamming our car into neutral and Todd's like hey 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 you, can, you can't do that you've got to kind of work it and the guy's like oh will you do it and Todd willingly does it before he completely ruins our you know our stick shift and Todd gets up puts it into neutral and the tow truck driver leaves the car door open starts to lower the car out Todd's obviously out of the car by now <laughs> he forgets that the door is open and knocks himself in the head with our open car door okay he leaves just, just another aside not really <laughs> not really communicating that we should have a lot of confidence in him but our car made it safely with the kayaks on so I guess I should be grateful so he leaves and then we just look at our car and we're like we can't leave our kayaks sitting on at the top of the car so we turn them upside down on the roof of Brennan's four-door Volvo it's not a it's not a wagon it's just, I think they call that a sedan. I'm not a car person. And 
we get our, you know, our straps out, strap it down, super tight. I turn on the hazards, take a bunch of our camping equipment out of it, fill up Brennan's car. And then I go home the back roads, going 20 with my flashers on. Anyway, we made it home safely. The reason I'm telling you this story is I'm curious if anybody can relate. And if you can relate, I would love to hear from you at any point. I would love to hear any of your stories and I would happily call you and get you on the podcast just to tell me your stories that are similar. Because Todd and I have hundreds of these stories. We have one where we were on our way to the beach for a camping trip when our kids were small and we had rented a cabin from some friends and we had never taken a five-day vacation and our car broke down on the way to the beach and Todd made a sign can you please help us <laughs> the first car saw our sign picked all four of us up shoved us in the back of their car with their adult son and took us to a um, took us to a gas station where we called the whole rigmarole we went back into Portland in the tow truck had his mom meet us with our junker car that Todd used for work. Got the car to the mechanics, picked up our junker from Todd's mom, drove all the way back to the beach, and we're at the beach late in the evening. And not once did we make our kids carry the weight of that because we knew, because of how we had grown up all the times when our parents were stressed and angry and we received that and we just were like hey kids we're going to turn this into a game everything's going to be okay by the end we're going to be at the beach and we're going to have a great time and so we turned it into a game and so for our kids even though I'm not saying they didn't feel any of the stress that we were feeling or the anxiety they didn't have to carry it and we made it fun so I could fill up probably a hundred podcasts with stories like that about trips we've taken to the UK to do music and things backfiring and many, many situations like that. And most of the time we are really kind and determined to not take it out on each other. So that brings me to the real point of what I want to talk about today. Well, the next day we got up and we had a conversation in our backyard. We just tend to do this where we try to process through what happened, you know, what, what was our takeaway, you know, and we were happy that we had not, you know, taken it out on each other and we're, you know, we're gracious with each other and willing to not, um, make the other pay for something that we really couldn't control 
And then we started telling all these stories that we have about other situations like this that we have survived. And a little caveat here. I think I said this in the beginning, but I want to reiterate. I don't regret the things that we've been able to survive. And the resilience I have, and Todd has, and our children have, to navigate difficult situations. I remember growing up and my mom was terrible at keeping track of gas. So we would run out of gas on the freeway or out in the middle of nowhere. There was no cell phones back then, no way to get a hold of anybody, and it left you very vulnerable. And now I realize there's so many elements to that. Like my mom was not good at not putting that stress on us. And I, I what I want to say about that is she, she, she looked at those situations not as somebody that like gets stressed, but somebody that kind of laughs through those situations, but not in a way that is calming to a child. Because you knew as a child your mom did not have her shit together and that you were out, you know, you had the potential of being exposed to something that you weren't prepared for. And just because she could laugh about it and flirt with whoever was going by, that did not make for a less stressful situation. So we're talking... And I said, you know, we have survived all of these situations and still did these amazing things. We've taken our kids to England on like the most shoestring budget imaginable. And the reason we can do that is I have really good friends that have housed us and we've done it on the cheap. We've used our tax return to pay for tickets, we've played music, we've sold CDs, we've, you know, split groceries with the friends that we're staying with, all kinds of stuff to make it work. And I also see it as a privileged position that I've been able to do the things that I've done and still have friends that live abroad that are willing to house us. And so it's, it's very muddled. Like our kids have had these amazing experiences. And on top of it, we've been in some situations where we didn't know how to solve a problem. And it was a pretty serious problem. We just had to figure it out. And our, I wouldn't say that our lives were ever in danger. But, you know, if you don't have a credit card or money to fall back on, things get a little dicier. When we were talking, one of the things that I said to Todd is, just because we can, doesn't mean we should. And I want to unpack that with you a little bit. Just because we have the resilience, we can get through something, doesn't mean we should keep doing that. And granted, some of these things are unavoidable. You you don't have a choice. You don't have 
a savings, you don't have resources, there aren't things that, there aren't ways that you could avoid it. And for us, for 22 years of marriage, that has been the case. But things have started to shift a little bit in my job, and things have started to shift now that Todd is a teacher. We're not living on a shoestring of a budget as we were, and we have a little bit of wiggle room. And, and so we had to talk about that, and he was like, well, what does that mean? I mean, do you think we did this to ourselves? Were we irresponsible? And I'm not saying we were irresponsible, but we probably were. Maybe we shouldn't go on camping with a car that our mechanic had said you should limp along or get this thing fixed. And we were at that point with the car that we have that we were not going to spend 500 more dollars on a car that we are going to have to replace. Anyway, so I want you to be thinking about that. Are there things in your life that just because you can survive it doesn't mean you should. Just because you can navigate it, just because you have the resilience, should you? Should you expose yourself to it? And a car is like, whatever. But I'm sure you have your own analogies. The last time, I think when I came up with that mantra, just because I can, doesn't mean I should was talking about my family and continuing to give them chances and go into a situation where they had all the power and continued to set me up by not telling me that people that were unsafe for me were gonna be there and I'd keep giving them chances because I have the resilience. Well, that is fucked up for me and I'm not gonna do that anymore. Those are the situations that I'm talking about are just because you can, just because you have history with a person, does that mean that you should still hang out with that person if they say mean things to you, if they degrade you, if when you share something personal and vulnerable, they mock it or poo-poo it or denigrate it, um, does that mean you should? You are worth more than that. And I know that there are situations where we can't make the changes that we want to make at the present moment that we're in. You might be in a job where you are dependent on that money and you have a coworker that's toxic and or racist and you don't have the ability or the wiggle room to quit that job yet. Sorry if anybody is in that position because that fucking sucks. And if you are in that position and you can somehow put hope on the horizon and you can find the energy, because I know it takes energy. It's like me trying to call the doctor. It takes energy to try and find another job especially when you're burnt out and harassed by the job you're in. So I don't want to elude for a moment that that is an easy thing to do. But if you can 
start working your way out of those friendships and those jobs and those environments that are toxic to you, whatever way that I can help, whatever thing I can talk about, I know that my experience is going to be different than everybody else's experience on there, but maybe as we talk about things like this, something will resonate. But resilience, I can only speak from the resilience that I have as a survivor. And that is hard earned. And I wouldn't wish that resilience on anybody because it came at a great cost to who I am as a person, to my self-worth, to my child self. I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but I also value that resilience that I have because it has allowed me to move through very traumatic situations and sometimes have them be blips on the screen, which also is a catch-22, but I'm not going to get into that today. So we started talking about this. This just because I can doesn't mean I should. And then we started to talk about adult behavior, which I've also talked about on this podcast. And that brings me to my second and maybe even more, to me, valuable point that I'm trying to make. My sister has helped us get a car today. My sister and my brother-in-law. I'm not going to get into the details today, but we bought a car today. We bought a used car. It was a big deal to us. We've never spent that much money on a car, a used car. Um, I don't think we've ever, no, one time we got a car at a dealership. This is another one of those moments, you guys. I was pregnant. A friend of ours told us to go to this dealership because we needed to get a car. He had looked at two cars. One was a car and one was a van. They were great cars and we trusted him. We got there looked at the car. It was one of those four-door sedans from probably the 90s that they overplushed the interior. So it was like getting into a coffin. Completely dark. Overplushed seats. Just gross. And so we saw the van. Pretty standard. No frills. And we were like, oh, we'll get this. We pulled out of the lot, y'all. And it started smoking. And we should have turned around and said, this is some bullshit, and we didn't. And that car, oh, it was a whole, it was a nightmare. But that was another thing. We learned from that is now we never buy anything that isn't checked by a mechanic. But that was not a reputable dealership anyway. So we bought a car, but we were talking this morning. And for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the adult behaviors that we've had in our life. You know, when we bought our house, that was scary. We used all our muscles at the time. You know, that was 20, 21 years ago. Used all our muscles at the time to get the courage to buy a house. When we took our tax return and on 
the most impossibly cheap and thanks to my brother who's a builder's help remodeled our basement so our kids could get bedrooms so we're going through these things that took you know some pretty amazing adult behavior and then we were just like okay this is just the next step in adult behavior and then we were talking about it this morning and I said to Todd how are you feeling and he was like I just think that this is the next step you know we're learning how to do this it's teaching us things along the way and I was like you're right we can say no we don't have to get anything we can always go back to Portland we got our car fixed we can go back to Portland and try to find something there there's no rush I went into the bathroom to brush my teeth and I heard this voice inside my head and the voice said Angie this is not adult behavior and I was like oh I'm paying attention in her voice in her wisdom and then my inner wisdom said giving birth to two children making the decisions that Todd and I made for our family, which I won't get into, but the, the choices that we made, we talked about and thought about, and it allowed us to not have money, but for our children to, you know, be taken care of by one of us at all times. Me calling out my family about the historical sexual abuse. Me continuing to do therapy, read every book I can get my hands on, on emotional intelligence, on living a healthy life, Todd facing his fears, doing the same thing, going to therapy, raising two children that have emotional intelligence and know when they need to go into therapy and are willing to do it and take care of themselves. That is adult behavior. And it blew me away you guys like I have been selling myself short I have been looking at all of these all of these things that I was talking to my friend Molly just a second ago when I told her we bought the car and I was telling her this and she said yeah those are a consumer uh, capitalistic way of saying you're an adult now you know, you're an adult when you buy a car and a house. That's what capitalism says. But we need to reframe that because you are an adult when you say no to an abuser. You are an adult when you say, I'm not going to take this shit anymore. You are an adult when you call the therapist or when you reach out to a loving friend in vulnerability and you say, I need help. You are an adult when you say, I'm not going to treat myself like crap anymore. I'm going to learn to love myself. You are an adult when you don't let people see your kids that don't deserve to see your kids. You're an adult when you go down the road of not having money for the sake of your family's safety. Those are truly adult behaviors. And so I, I want you to be thinking about, if you can, like me, because this is still very fresh for me and I'm emotional just saying it because of 
all those other things are trappings and they're fine they're not bad they're not good I wasn't more of an adult when I bought a used car that was old I am not more of an adult if I remember to schedule maintenance on a car which now I have to do I'm not more of an adult when I can go to the dentist and get my teeth cleaned those are trappings Real adult behavior is learning to love ourselves and take care of ourselves and each other. And to say no more when people treat us like garbage. If you can take one thing away from what I'm saying today, that's what I want you to take away and think about. Well, maybe two. Just because I can doesn't mean I should. And look at those situations that you're in. Reflect on them. I'm not saying ghost people. I'm not saying hurt anyone. I'm just saying what do you need and is there a way to get what you need? Is there a way to get the loving treatment that everybody deserves? Is there anything that you need to own in that? Is there any way that you can move out of toxic situations? And then secondly, Look at your life. Look at the things that you've survived. Look at the way that you've taken true adult ownership for yourself and your life. Look at the moments that you reached out for help, that you asked for help. Look at the times when you maybe were struggling with depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation, and you told somebody and you got the help you needed to go another day. That's what I'm talking about. Look at the ways that you've... I know so many people that have looked at family abuse, physical, emotional, sexual, while trying to raise kids and not damage their kids, while trying to figure out how to be a functioning human being in the world while raising kids, while going through their trauma and their memories, that is fucking real adult behavior. I know people that have lovingly ended relationships, wasn't convenient for them, wasn't maybe the best economical situation for them, maybe felt a little or a lot scary, and they did it because that was real adult behavior and that was what they needed to do. Think about the ways that you have been a loving adult to yourself and a loving adult to somebody else and maybe a loving adult to nature. That sounds weird, I know. Maybe a loving adult to your community. Ways that maybe inconvenienced you but you showed up and you paid attention and you took care of the people around you. That's, that's what I want to leave you with today. I'd love to hear your stories. I'd love to know if any of this resonates, that I'm not the only one thinking about this. I'm sure I'm not because my friend Molly was like, yes, us taking care of ourselves. That's emotion. That's emotional intelligence and that's real adult. That's all I have for you today. 
please like, share, subscribe, rate, review, tell people about this, um, let them know that I'm here, let them know that, um, I'm interested in the conversations, and, um, yeah, remember who you are, you are worth knowing, you are worth loving, you are worth being in this world. Please take care, everybody.